When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I am Ben, not a Mason, Bolin. Not a Mason. I just feel that it is necessary for me to have that disclaimer in the beginning. Uh, I think that the Masons uh, overall are tremendous forces of good in communities. Mm -hmm. But we also should say, Scott, at the top of this episode that you and I are from the outside looking in. Correct. That's right. Now, I have a great uncle who was a Freemason. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I think uh, my dad now owns his, uh, he's passed away. I think my dad now owns a, um, owns his Freemason ring. Ah. He's kind of passed down. Now, he doesn't wear it because I don't think you're allowed to do that. Right. But he does have that. He has, uh, he's that in his possession. Kind of an interesting thing. I mean, there's a lot of sim, uh, symbols, um, that go along with the uh, with the Freemasons and the Masons and the Shriners, sure. as we'll sure. talk about. Yeah. Um. And and there's a lot of misconceptions about what they are as well, right? Mm-hmm. Now you know a little bit about Masonry, Freemasonry, right? You know yeah. quite a lot about it, actually. I know very little about it. So, what can you tell me about Freemasons and and Masons, Ben? Uh. Okay. So, uh, Freemasons and Shriners are often conflated. You know, and, and for someone on, again, on the outside looking in, this can be a little bit confusing. So, uh, Freemasons are a fraternity or brotherhood, uh, that works together. And I, I know it sounds vague, but to be a positive force in the community. So mm-hmm. you'll often hear about Freemasons, uh, sponsoring different charities or assisting with, uh, volunteer efforts and things like that. Shriners are a, a related but distinct brotherhood. The, the basis for membership in, uh, in a shrine or temple is to be a Mason already. Okay. So I've seen it written this way that all shriners are Masons, but not all Masons are shriners. Exactly. Like all mazes are puzzles, but not all puzzles are mazes. Okay. I got it. So, okay. So you can be a uh, Mason. You have to accomplish several different levels, I believe, before you're even eligible to become a Shriner. Right. You need to be a Master Mason. Okay. So you have to be in it quite a while. I mean, you have to, uh, I think it's like uh, the different degrees, right? You have to yeah. become, uh, you have to go pass through these different degrees. The third and final degree mm-hmm. is when you become a Master Mason. 
and then you're eligible to become a Shriner. And the Shriners are what they call a fraternity of, I guess, right. Masons. Now, and it's important, you know, all, all, often uh, Masons and Shriners and Masonry in general gets a bad name, and that's because there's a lot of misinformation out there. And- yeah, I've seen it written so many places, like, you know, the, the, the question mark about the Freemasons and these secret societies, as they like to call them, right? They say, you know, they... Do they manipulate world events in some kind of like grand conspiracy? Like they're going to try to rule the world or, right. or what? Yeah, but that's not true. No. Nope. I mean, and the roots of this whole thing, they go back hundreds of years, but it was such a, a simple thing. And, and where it comes from is just the name of the profession that these guys had. Yeah. Stonemasons. Yeah. They were stonemasons and, and craftsmen mm-hmm. and they would gather together in these lodges. Mm-hmm. And at the lodges, you know, this time, you know, where they were just. I guess share the brotherhood of the the, the craft, right? And uh, it became known as uh, you know these these Masonic guilds, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. that uh, um, could talk about the tools of the trade and you know the the trade itself. And over time, the members kind of organized into these Masonic guilds, and mm-hmm. and the tools of their trade, sure. you know, like the uh, the square, and I think of the compass, those became kind of the symbols for this group and this this gathering. And people thought there was something a little bit hinky about the whole thing, right? Yeah, hinky is a good word. They thought there was some skullduggery. They thought there were some dark shenanigans going on. And that typically occurs. It's just part of human nature, Scott. When something is secret, people assume all sorts of strange things about it. But let's go ahead and set this straight. Uh, neither masonry nor uh, the Shriner organizations are in any way religions. They're not religious groups. Now, at some point, um, in the, uh, in Masonic membership, uh, you, you have to acknowledge a supreme being, but that's the closest they get to religion, you know, and then there are a lot of other organizations that do the same and we don't call those religions. Uh, we're, I guess what we're doing here is we're just giving you the broad strokes here. We've got a lot of listeners in our audience who are probably Masons, maybe even Shriners. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are, then you tuned in to the right episode because we're going to have some fun with this one. And they could maybe tell us how we just butchered the explanation of what that, uh, what the whole thing is all about. Well, I we mean, kept it high level. We, we did, I think. And, you know, I know that there's so much more to it than this. And, and we're just trying to give, again, a high level description. Mm-hmm. Of, of what it's all about, because I think they get a bad rep, you know, from some people who just don't know, the people that don't understand what it's all about. Right. And you see, you know, one one movie late night on the science fiction channel. Yeah. And, and and in truth, the organizations are, are on the level and they're uh, sure. and they're really like they, they, they do so much good in the community. And we'll talk about how much good they do in the community. Specifically, we're going to focus on the Shriners in this episode because. This is where it comes down to it. Uh, this is why you're learning all about Shriners and, and Freemasons, <laughs> right, yeah. right? Because we're going to talk about those cool little parade vehicles that they drive around in and do precision maneuvers and everything. Mm-hmm. This is this is where it's all going. But there's so much involved in this, and I found so many little tangential side things in this yeah, episode. Little man. nuggets of wisdom. Uh, so many cool things about you know the, the manufacture of these vehicles and the different types of vehicles and where they yep. came from and. Uh, this one's loaded with stuff like that. So, so keep listening if you're interested in like go karts and that type of thing. Right. Um, and the history of the, of the organization itself, I mean, the Shriners go back to, you know, I mentioned Freemasons and Masons go back, um, you know, hundreds of years. Way, way back. Well, the Shriners were organized somewhere around 1872, I believe. So that's uh-huh. about 142 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the Shriners hospitals, which, uh, we'll talk about that as well. Yeah. 1920. 
So that's when those were organized, about 1920, so 94 years ago. And it happened because of a tragic event, a polio outbreak in the U.S. in 1919. And uh, again, uh, nowadays, we don't often think of polio unless we're thinking about, you know, U.S. presidents mm-hmm. or foreign countries. But for the, uh, you know, for the last three generations or so, we've had a working polio vaccine. Check this out, Scott. In 1919, polio killed 6,000 people in the United States, just left, just killed them, not counting the almost 30,000 that were paralyzed. So many of these people who were paralyzed needed medical care that they just didn't have. So in 1920, the Shrine's Imperial Session uh, voted to uh, make everybody pay $2 a year to build the first Shriners Hospital in Shreveport, I think. Shreveport, okay. So that, but, but that has expanded now to this point. To this yep, point. yep. So over, I think, it, not over, I think they have 22 facilities all over the world mm-hmm. that are dedicated to uh, children's care. And and the cool thing about this, Ben, maybe the coolest thing about this is that, you know, not only is it doing a lot of good to to develop these children's hospitals, right? there's no billing department in these hospitals at all. And that makes them very unique in that all of the money that the Shriners raise through all of their charitable efforts, you know, in the communities, mm-hmm. all of that money goes to running and operating these, these, uh, these Shriners hospitals for children. Uh, again, these 22 hospitals that have... Since 19, uh, 1920, that, you know, the, the parents and the, fa- you know, the, the families of these children with, with whatever, you know, illness they have. Sure. They haven't had to pay a dime. Yeah. And there was no restriction on race, religion, color or national uh, origin. The only real requirement is that there has to be a chance of being able to improve the child's health. Mm-hmm. So it's focused on uh, pediatric medical care. I mean, they have world-class research and educational opportunities for medical professionals that mm-hmm. you know want to enter the the uh, the Shriners hospitals. Um, they're not paying us or anything to do this. We're just talking about them because it's such an important part of what the Shriners do. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people will only see that parade day image of the Shriners. You know, it's typically some you know older guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna generalize this. Right. All right, go for some it. Some older guys. A lot of them. Kind of on the heavy side. I hate to say it. I mean, I know they're trying to change that image, but some of these older guys, um, you know, happy guys. They're they're wearing a big fez on top of their yeah, head. Yeah, they're in the mini um, car. Yeah, the tiny little cars. They're doing precision driving. Bigger eights. It, it it looks ridiculous, but it it's so cool to watch as well. And and we'll get to you know the precision driving and the vehicles right. and all that. But uh, I thought it was important to uh, to mention these hospitals and and just the stuff that they do. They're yeah. There's they're helping people and although it is fun and it is lighthearted to see uh some of the antics on those Shriner cars, uh we wanted to make sure that we open up the episode by saying that there are there are tremendously good things about this. It's not just if you if you don't know much about Shriners other than seeing them in parades it, we want to assure you, it's not just some people having a good time on tiny cars. That's just one part of a multifaceted organization. But back to the cars, because I don't know if I could say this on a family show, but they are badass. They really are, and it goes back a long ways. I mean, I've got the history of the yeah. the, uh, the mini cars. I guess is you know one quick thing here. Yeah, I've seen it. You know, when you talk about uh, Shriners and and their, their parade vehicles, a lot of times you'll see it. That uh, they call them the Shriners Parade Units or 
the Shriners Motor Patrols or the Shriners right. Mini Car Unit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of different names for these different units of Shriners that like to do this. Now, there's a lot more Shriners behind the scenes because I think they have close to half a million people that are involved with Shrining. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, training? I don't know. Shriners. But I guess they're Shriners. <laughs> and they raise hundreds of millions of dollars throughout the community. So um, they do a lot of good. And you just see, like, the tip of the iceberg, I guess, when you're at the parades. You know, these are the uh, the motorcade unit guys. Right. There are also units that are, for example, horse units. So there's horse riding. Yeah, that's they're... right. And marching precision units as well. Right. They, they love the precision stuff. That's always uh, kind of interesting to me that, you know, they like to do... Precision driving, they like to have the horse units where they do little tricks on those. They have marching units that may march with, um, you know, lawn chairs or something like that mm-hmm. and do some unusual things there. It's, uh, it's, it's always fun to watch the Shriners in parades. Oh, two side notes. Okay. Okay. Uh, kind of unrelated. I, I got this quote from a Shriner, uh, in an article where a Shriner describes the organization. We're the party animal masons, one Shriner explained in a glancing comment as they unloaded their cars. We like to have a good time. Uh, I just, I thought that was, uh, funny because there's a little story in here about how the Shriners came to be. Apparently, uh, a few masons who like to extend the lodge meeting into local taverns decided to do this, uh, fraternity with a Near East theme. So it started as this idea of, of having fun that became this world changing positive organization. Um, and probably already started out that way. So that's why, that's why Shriners have kind of this reputation as the, the fun party guys because that's what they like to do. And, um, and that's what started them. I mean, back yeah. in 1872, they decided mm-hmm. we're going to be the fun branch of the Masons. Yeah. And they, these mini cars, come in so many varieties that uh I was I was trying to think about this off air Scott like how how do we properly represent the variety how about this okay. I'll just laundry list uh, some of the ones that I've seen in this last week or so as we've been researching this how okay. about that all right yeah. so I've seen uh, tractor trailers I've seen stock cars yeah. indie cars ambulances prowlers mm-hmm. pickup trucks model T's uh 1957 Chevys um, old Thunderbirds. I've seen uh, the General Lee used as a Shriner car. Yeah. Um, old Roadsters, like Ford Roadsters. I've seen Corvettes. I've seen uh, just all kinds of vehicles. Bar stools. Tow trucks. Tow trucks. That's another big one. That one, I mean, that one made me crack up. Four by fours of all types. I mean, and yeah. the, the key here is that they all match. Uh, these guys have matching fleets of vehicles that they like to uh, to parade. You know, during these these big events, these community events. And there's always some kind of precision driving that goes along with them. And I found, Ben, you know, before we even go to the history of this, okay, I found that they do a lot of practice on these things in order to get these down. Because if you watch a Shriner group in action, I mean, it really is kind of unnerving how close they get to each other. It could cause a serious accident. I mean, it yeah. really, it's, it's serious business when you're, you know, in a vehicle that'll go 40 miles an hour and you're on a city street with people on the curbside watching you and you're trying to swerve in and out. And, you know, there's a lot of, legitimate precision driving that's going on to these things and as earlier established in our episode on parade floats those poor guys driving the parade float have no chance of seeing you no. in on that tiny motorcycle uh swerving into some figure eights no definitely and then you know the 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 uh the the practice that i mentioned leads up to and i didn't know this until just recently either they have a couple of big conventions and did you know that the at the conventions they have kind of a they have a lot of contests which we don't get to see. You know, this isn't the public parade day type stuff. This is right. like uh, they have competitions between different Shriner groups with their parade units. 
and they have you know outright races. Mm-hmm. They also do uh, some precision driving type uh, competitions. Some obstacle course stuff. Exactly right, with penalties handed out, etc. Mm-hmm. So you know, can you imagine how fun that would be to watch something like that happening with uh, different Shriner groups uh, competing against each other in precision driving skills uh, competitions? If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I mean, that's got that's going to be one heck of a race. How cool would that be? I mean, yeah. so I was kind of digging into, uh, you know, like, um, you know, Shriner cars for sale and, you know, places that you can go. And I found places all over the place, at least here in the United States, uh, that, that sell these. Yeah. And, uh, there's places like Go Karts USA and Promo Karts and East Coast Mini Classics. And there's just so many of these places around that will offer, um, fleets of vehicles to Shriners, sometimes at a discount. If you're a Shriner, they'll, they'll offer you, you know, if you're going to buy a dozen of these things or 18 or 20 of these at a time, mm-hmm. you, know, you can get a significant discount on them, and they're all going to be exactly the same, and that's what you want, right? For these, yeah, uh, for these, you want that uniformity. For these drill teams, that's yeah. right. Uh, so one thing that I should apologize to you for, Scott, is that we were just about to talk about the history, and I got so excited about the that Shriner quote that I, I interrupted. So please, uh, knock us out. When did these cars actually hit the scene all right well this is the kind of uh this is the part that was confusing to me because shriners have been around since uh, the late 1870s right i'm sorry 1872 yeah and go-karts have been around for a long long time you know kids have always kind of messed around with engines and you know wooden frames and things like that and then metal frames right but when did the two converge the two finally came together in about the mid-1960s and i'm going to read from an article here and i promise i won't read much 
Uh, there's a couple of uh, side notes that I want to stop for here along the way, but there's an article called Shriner Mini Cars, uh, fun way for a club, a fun way for a club to give back. It's from the Midland Daily News in Midland, Michigan. Mm-hmm. It's a couple of, it's actually about a year old, and uh, it just has a really concise way of putting the history of Shriner vehicles. And it was told by a guy named Doug Marsh, who is a Shriner, a younger Shriner. I think he's in his 20s, as a matter of fact, which is kind of odd to me, anyways. Um, but uh, he, he concisely puts the uh, the history of of mini cars this way. He says that. Um, it was a project that was originally contracted by General Motors in about 1965, and the go-kart frames were built by Rupp Industries of Mansfield, Ohio, which built go-karts, mini-bikes, and snowmobiles up until about the mid-1970s. And it was based on a uh, on the dart cart model from Rupp Industries. And I want to tell you about Rupp in just a minute. Okay. Um, but the uh, they had something like a three-and-a-half horsepower motor, you know, unique body styles that were patterned after... Uh, different cars of the day, and this one in particular, this project that General Motors contracted, was modeled after something called the Monza SS, which is a uh, 1963 Corvair concept vehicle, and it was clearly meant to look exactly like this concept vehicle. And these cars, Ben, if you ever see a um, the Monza SS mini car that were that were created by Rupp Industries in the mid 1960s. Yeah. It looks really, really close to what the 1968 Corvette looks like, huh. but it's five years prior to that. So um, interesting that they've done this now. Of course, the, the Monza SS, the, the full-scale concept vehicle, was built by General Motors, and that's what eventually led to the, the Corvette. But you know, mm-hmm. they were building at Rupp this little mini version of it, and Shriners kind of grabbed onto that and said, we can use this to do uh, some of our parade stuff that we've been doing. Right, because they wanted to promote more of a positive image in local communities, and the way to do that was to be the coolest people at the parade. I'm, I'm okay. My opinion is coming out on that last part of the sentence, but I do agree with myself. I guess that they are the coolest people on the I parade. I agree. Uh, so this this manufacturing of these mini cars takes off. And by the 70s, uh, we have other companies that are also manufacturing these. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, one thing I'm going to mention about the late 60s still before we get yeah. into the 70s is that, uh, you know, the vehicle itself was called the Monza Junior. And then later they did some body and paint changes to the same thing. And they called it the, uh, the Chevy Junior sometime around 1968. And this is when, this is really when they started to, uh, to kind of, uh, get the idea that maybe it'd be cool if, you know, other Shriners groups also gathered some of these uh, these fleets of vehicles and used them in parades because it really gets the word out. It's like who's who were those guys on those neat little cars mm-hmm. that uh, you know have bodies on them because go karts up until this point uh, mostly just had um, metal frames, you know, right. homemade bodies, you know, sometimes. But uh, this was something that was mass produced and they were all identical and so you know and they were kitted out. Yeah, exactly right. They were really really cool things and um, now. They were built for a couple of different purposes. It wasn't just for Shriners, obviously. They were built for right. pri- oh, get this, Ben, prizes at auto shows, mm-hmm. toys for children, of course, which you would expect, right? Yeah. And um, this is maybe one of the coolest things. And I, I've got two side notes already that I want to get to okay. here. So they were even used as part of the Flint-based Safetyville, USA, which was a miniature town that featured working traffic lights and paved roads which would teach young motorists how to drive. Now you can imagine I want to get to that, right? Right. All right. So let's <laughs> let's get let's get back to Rupp Industries first. Okay. All right. So Rupp Industries, who build, builds all these, uh, the the owner of this company, his name is Herbert Mickey Rupp the third, and he was a race car driver. He drove in the USAC Championship Car Series, which also raced at the Indy 500, 
So he was an Indy 500 driver in 1965. Wow. Okay. Creates this, um, this, uh, this Rupp Industries in Mansfield, Ohio, which is his hometown in the late 1950s. So before he's even an Indy car driver, he's doing this. He's a race car driver anyways. Um, but he built these, we'll call them iconic go-karts, mini bikes. I guess if you look up a Rupp mini bike, they're very, very valuable at this point. Um, snowmobiles, motorcycles, um, and later on, Rupp Marine was formed out of this whole thing. And, I, and so, you know, this Rupp Industries was the place to go to at that time to get something like this. And that's why General Motors went to them. They said, you know, the, we trust you. We know you know what you're doing. Yeah. We need X number of these vehicles for these uh, these auto show giveaways and, you know, just to, to sell in general. One question. Did, yeah. Did Rupp Industries do any tether car stuff? Oh, I don't know about that. But it seems like they would, doesn't it? It seems like they could. I mean, it's a much, much smaller scale. Yeah. But uh, it seems like that type of thing in that era would have been perfect for Right. Them, right? I'm going to look into that. We'll go back to that it. That is really good. But if you look up Rupp vehicles from this this day, they're very, very valuable. All right. I can't wait. I have to know more about this. Can Let's go to Safetyville. Okay. Safetyville, USA. Now, this is something that I absolutely had to dig into. I only had a few minutes, though, to look into it. I'm, I want to... Uh, you know, check on this even more. I think uh, there's a potential podcast topic on this whole thing. Right. And it's that it's that cool. Now you said it's in Flint, Flint but there's Michigan. more than one. It's in Flint, Michigan. There's one that's operating right now, I believe, in California, but it's a little different. Okay, this okay. is a, it's like a modern version in California. This one in Flint was around, I want to say, in the uh, early 1970s. It closed around 1982. Now, Flint, Michigan, there's a there's a park, and the name is uh, Kearsley Park. And I guess it was on the east side of that park that this uh, the Safetyville happened. And Safetyville, if you look it up, there's so many cool old old photos of this. They would have these cars that we just talked about, you know, the Chevy Junior and the Monza Junior, the yeah. ones that the, the Shriners use. They use these to teach young kids how, like, the rules of the road, how to drive. And you would actually get a Safetyville license when you go there, when you, com- <laughs> when you completed it. Right. And it would have, a uh, like, a report card of how you did that day. And it would, you, they would hand that to your parents. And it would say, like, uh, you know, Johnny um, went the wrong way on a one-way street. Um, yeah, classic Johnny. We caught him uh, bumping into the uh, driver in front of him three times, and we had to revoke his uh, driving for the This day. kid's a monster. Yeah, that kind of thing. But it was kind of neat to, in that, um, you know, it had scale uh, businesses and buildings, like uh, city buildings. Weird. Um, you, the kids would drive in these little go-karts on streets that looked like, you know, mimicked city yeah. streets with uh, with street lights you know operating street lights sure street signs taught them the ways of the road well before they ever got behind the wheel of a real vehicle and it's such a cool little bit of american history to look back and see these photos and you know yeah. the little kids in these go-karts you know holding up their license for the camera and uh, it was really a cool I, thing it's I, a cool way to teach kids too i so wish this was around today now the one that i saw in california um and i can't remember the city that that's operating in right now but um, the kids are on things like bicycles, even tricycles, depends on the age. Okay. But it shows them more about, um, you know, like safety, about crossing the streets and things like that. Oh, I see. So it's not so much about the driving rules. It's more about how to, uh, how to be safe in a city environment. If you're, uh, you know, ever having to cross the street alone, that type that of thing. That makes sense. You know what mm-hmm. I want to see now? I'm just going to go ahead and pitch this TV show to you. Cops of Safetyville. Cops of Safety. Oh, not bad. Right? So you've got the cop car. Uh, working siren, that's important. Of course. Uh, and it's, a, and it's a mini car, 
and you know they're they're pulling over it's kids pulling over kids. I can tell you that they make mini cars, you know, the Shriner cars, yeah, with working sirens and lights. Yes. So there's no problem getting that at all. I mean, any one of these manufacturers that I mentioned, uh, you know, will do that. And you learn about responsibility because the the kid who is the police officer, the police officer function like rotates. So don't be too much of a jerk because uh, you're not going to be in charge after Tuesday. It's not a bad idea. I mean, there's uh, some development needed here, but I think we can do it. Yeah, the pieces are there. Moving on, <laughs> moving on from uh, my my horrible TV pitch. Uh, we know that the uh we know that although go karts were booming in the 50s and 60s uh the mini car idea the idea of go karts with fiberglass bodies over the chassis right with the plastic seats the Briggs and Stratton three horsepower engines the whole nine we know that those were blowing up as well in the 70s yeah that's right and the thing is that they were mostly for kids they were mostly for for children to drive in so you know when the shriners get in these things i mean we're talking about like some big guys some 200 pound guys or 200 pound plus they get in this vehicle with a three-horsepower engine, it's not really going to cut it because they, they kind of want to thrill the crowd, right? I mean, they're barely crawling. So um, later they started upfitting some of these vehicles with, you know, five-horsepower, five-and-a-half-horsepower right. yep. engines. And uh, now we can see that, you know, a lot of these these vehicles will have even, like, um, you know, alcohol-burning engines that are high-performance engines. Um, sure. You know, there's a lot of variation on this. It depends on what your Shriner Parade unit group decides to go with, you know, the body style, mm-hmm. the horsepower, mm-hmm. the, you know, what they want to do with it. It's kind of the idea that, you know, you determine what you want to do with them and then you build or buy a vehicle to match that. And, you know, Scott, there's an element of mystery here because we're not exactly sure how many active Shrine Shriner cars are around. Uh, we're not even sure how many Shrine clubs have motor patrols yeah because there's something like uh, 200 chapters or almost 200 chapters right. of shriners all over the world yeah and then we don't know how many of those operate you know these uh, these vehicles and then you've got the whole thing about the the history of the vehicles like for a while ben i had heard that a shriner vehicle could not be sold outside of the shriner uh, uh brotherhood right right like you you had to hand it down or something it had to be passed on to another shriner after it was a, it was deemed a Shriner vehicle, even though they're buying them from these go-kart manufacturers. Right. Know, well, it's just a mini car at that point. But it turns out that's not so true. I mean, because I've you can go right now and find Model T fire truck Shriner vehicles on sale on uh, on Craigslist. Sure. On eBay or yeah. wherever. So I don't know if that's changed recently, but a lot of times, you know, these vehicles would be handed down because, you know, some of these Shriners, they were the older older guys and they're in these uh, in these groups and these cars last, you know, they'll, they'll hang around for 50 years. The cars yeah, especially will. if you take care of them. Exactly I'm right. sure they do. Yeah, I'm sure they do. So, you know, the vehicles hang around, the guys maybe come and go. And that's mm-hmm. the, the sad part about this is that, you know, once somebody passes on, uh, you know, they, they maybe then, uh, then, uh, not donate, but they, uh, they, they sure, will, it. they will that vehicle to another Shriner in the group and, and it becomes their property then and they hang on to it until their time has passed. And then it's, it goes on like that. And to add to the complication, each club can decide to, uh, inaugurate or found or disband a motor patrol on its own. And then it's up to the, the shrine club, the individual club as to what sort of vehicle the motor patrol will drive. And that's why there's such variety, which I think is a great thing. Um, but that's also why, you know, the numbers are a little fluid. Yeah, that's right. Now you and I both have a tiny, tiny bit of uh, Shriner car 
I don't know if we can even call it experience, but we've both oh, had yeah. a, um, I guess, a Shriner car in our past in some mm-hmm. way. Yeah. All right. So, so what's yours? So when I was a kid, a wee young tyke, uh, in East Tennessee, where apparently everybody does an Irish accent, uh, we had a, well, actually, this wasn't East Tennessee. This was Nashville. Um, we had a, uh, relative who had a little bit of farmland and, uh, had also one of those Shriner cars and I wanted it so bad. You know how it is when you're a kid and you have a go-kart or forget a go-kart, even a riding lawnmower, you know, you just want to have it, drive it around. Now I got a chance to go around just a little bit. And, uh, in retrospect, yeah, it was like driving a go-kart, but at the time, Scott, you couldn't tell me anything. I was, I was like the Kanye West of that couple of acres, you know, um, it, it, and it was really neat. And I wish I could have, you know, I wish I knew what happened to that vehicle, but unfortunately I don't. Do you remember the body style? If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I remember only that it was a car. 
Okay. Only that it was, but it did have the fiberglass body. Okay, cool. And uh, the one that I recall from my past, I guess, was, uh, you remember I've mentioned this a few times, I spent some time on uh, on the farm in Indiana, mm-hmm. uh, many summers, I guess, I spent on the farm. Mm-hmm. And uh, my uncle, his, uh, his brother, had passed on, um, and he was a Shriner. And so in my uncle's garage was uh, his brother's Shriner vehicle. Mm. And the Shriner, it was a, um, it was a Model T fire truck, uh, Shriner vehicle. And it was inoperable at the time, so I never got to drive it. Uh. Honestly, I was afraid to even get into it. It kind of looked a little frail, I guess. Maybe, you know, thin wheels, that type of thing. And right. I didn't want to break it. So, you know, I, I went over it pretty carefully, you know, looking at it and, you know, seeing what made it tick. But, uh, I never got the chance to drive it or, or run it at all, so I'm a little jealous of you and being able to actually drive in a Shriner vehicle. That's cool. Uh, you know, if it makes you feel better, I did not do a good job. <laughs> you know, later, <laughs> I did buy uh, my own go-kart. And That's it, true, yeah. And it does have, and I still have that go-kart. I bought it in, uh, oh my gosh, I bought it, I bought it in 1989. Uh-huh. I still have it in my garage, and it does have a plastic body on it. But it's not a Shriner vehicle. It never was a Shriner no. vehicle. But it does have a plastic body, so it's not just like a you know frame type go. And it's still running, right? It does, yeah. It still runs. You ever take it out? I have not in the last couple of years because uh, <laughs> the project car is blocking it in the yeah. uh, in the front of the garage, and um, it's heavy. These things are about, um, I mean, they're a couple hundred pounds. A couple hundred pounds, up to three hundred pounds. I've seen as much for the uh, for the Monza Junior and the Chevy Junior. So right. they're heavy, heavy vehicles. And, uh, you know, these guys, they, they move them all over the place in order to be able to get them into the trailers and um, in and out of trucks, you know, for the parades and everything. So there's a lot of work that goes into, you know, um, getting these together, I guess. And, and like the story that I read, you know, with a little bit of history of, of the whole thing, uh-huh. uh, the guy that uh, that they interviewed for this in the uh, in the Midland Daily News his name is Doug Marsh, and in his garage, now he's kind of, I guess, nominated himself or, or volunteered to keep about 12 of these vehicles in his own garage. And then I think he said six other members that are part of this unit keep them in their own garage separate from this. But they're all identical vehicles. So he's got 12 of these in his garage that he goes out and tinkers with, you know. And, and yeah. I, I know that they have days when, you know, everybody will come over and they'll all work on their vehicles and make sure that they're in tip-top condition for the for the events because sure. – it's important that they're not going to break down when they're on the parade route, of course. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, if anything, I've learned from owning my own go-kart is that those things will break down every day on you if you drive them. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's important that they have them ready for this event. And, you know, it's uh, there's not going to be any disappointed kids in the crowd. So there's also uh, there are also some surprises with these vehicles because I hope that everybody picked up a little bit of the implication when we said, you know, it can be tough to figure out how many Shriner cars are around because there are so many decisions that are left up to the individual Shrine club. So I've been trying to figure out the fastest Shriner car. Oh, really? Have you? You you know, I love the hyperbole. Yeah, I do. There's a car and driver article called Fez versus Fez versus Fez. So it's a three, three car competition or, or a comparison test, uh, from May of 2008, the, really doesn't matter how long ago it was because these are older vehicles that they tested, but they did a comparison test between uh, three different makes and models of Shriner vehicle, yeah. just, just as they would with a full-size vehicle. Yeah, three different motor patrols um, from Southern California to Willow Springs International Motorsports Park. Uh, so they unloaded about 30 different vehicles, and uh, the there were 20 or so Shriners, 
and they all had their jackets on, identifying their uh, identifying their unit, right? And and their fezes and their fezes, of course. That's one thing that was really important. This guy from the Corona Riverside Shrine Club, he said it's all about showing the fez. Everything we do is for the hospitals. And that's ultimately, again, as we said at the top of the show, that's why they're racing these cars. But let me let me just skip ahead here to uh, one of my favorite parts. There's a group that took their three horsepower Briggs and Stratton engines and swapped them out for Honda 5.5 horsepower GX series, which gets to uh, a much faster goal. Now, earlier in the article, they talk about how you're supposed to keep these under 10 miles an hour, right? For the parade purposes. For the parade purposes. Mm-hmm. And 10 miles an hour in practice means about 8.7, something like that. Okay. Number you can fudge around with. But uh, the quickest truck, uh, which was owned by a guy named Howard Smitty Smith, um, hit 10 miles an hour in 1.8 seconds and 30 miles per hour in 10.6. Now, I know 30 doesn't sound like a high speed. In a full-size car, yeah, on a go kart, that feels like you're going about 150 miles an hour. It seems like a, it seems like it's so fast when you're when you're that low to the ground. You got the wind in your face because there's no windshield, of course. Yeah, you've got a lot of sensory input. We've talked about go karts before, you know, like um, I, I guess uh, what is it, scale speed? Maybe is yeah, that how yeah, you say that's it? a good way. Um, when you're that low and traveling that fast, and you've got that much that's whizzing by you so quickly. Um, you get a real sensation of speed. I mean, there's a, there's probably an equation that goes along with this, you know, that in a go-kart at this level, you feel, you know, at 30 miles an hour, you feel like you're going X number of miles per hour. But honestly, it feels like 100 miles an hour. Oh, and uh, just to mention that the truck he was driving was what was called a uh, midget pickup. Now, I know that might be offensive to some people. That's just the name of that kind of style. And uh, they were meant to look like 78 to 79 Dodge Little Red Express trucks. One was supposed to look like an 83 Chevy. So just imagine, if you will, listeners, that uh, one of these guys is late to the parade. And so are you. And you're walking in the direction of the parade and you hear a buzz behind you. <laughs> and then this tiny pickup truck uh, with this guy, let's be honest, cramped on top of it, just sure. sort of uh, squeezed on top of it. Fez blowing in the wind zooms by you. I think that I think that one tops out at like thirty three miles an hour, something like that. Now the slowest one in the whole competition is, uh, came in at about eight point seven miles per hour. Now that was the one that uh, was the pickup truck, like the Model A, like the one that I had yeah, seen in yeah, my yeah. uncle's garage. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny about that pickup truck, Ben, <laughs> What's is that? that when they do the uh, the road handling test because they did they treated this as if it was a a real comparison between vehicles. You know, like. Uh, Speeds and, you know, the top speeds and braking wheelbase, and all that. Yeah. Uh, wheelbase, all that. So they did the cornering Gs on these things. And it wouldn't surprise you, I guess, that that Apple Valley truck, you know, the mini truck that you mentioned, um, pulled something like 1.16 Gs on the, uh, on, on the road handling course, on the skid pad. The, uh, the second place, which was a, which is, I think, maybe the coolest design. It's the, uh, Corona Riverside Racer. Yeah. Uh, which looks like an old Indy car almost. Um, that pulled almost one G on the, on the skid pad. And then the, uh, the, the, the truck that I mentioned, the, uh, the Model A or the Model T pickup. Yeah. Too slow to, uh, to, to measure even. They said insufficient velocity to even measure a G on the, uh, on the skid pad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one that managed to make it to eight miles an hour in just over 30 seconds. 30 seconds to eight miles per hour. So, uh, that is the dog of the bunch there. But you know what? When you're in a parade, you don't really need a whole lot more than that. Although, 
you know, some of the precision stuff that we've seen from, from these guys, you know, when we're watching YouTube videos of them, you know, and, and right. just personal experience, cause we've, we've both seen, um, you know, um, Shriner groups in parades and, and what they're capable of doing. And it's really pretty impressive, uh, you know, the, as far as how close they get, how fast they go, right. uh, what they do. And they go right at each other and then, you know, last second veer away. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really pretty exciting to watch. And, and the kids love it. The parents love it just as much because I think the parents want to drive these as well because they see it's not just a, you know, something for kids. Right. Um, kids love it because it's something that they could do as well if they wanted to, really, because it's a go-kart. It's not a real car. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just exciting. It's a fun thing, and, and it's all about getting the Shriner name out there, you know, the, uh, I guess, the, um, the public awareness, right? Yeah, it's about raising public awareness, and ultimately it all goes back to those hospitals for children, those free hospitals for children. They've been successful enough that they were, when they originally started, the age for the free care was 14 and under, and it got raised to 18 and under. So there's, make no bones about it. These people are making the world a better place, and uh, I think they're having a heck of a lot of fun while they do it. I mean, it. they raise hundreds of millions of dollars each year for these charities, so it's, a, it's really, really a great cause. Now, all right, I think we've just about exhausted yeah. everything I have. I've got one more little thing, a little side note that I want to add on here because it's kind of the, uh, I guess, the uh, the typical Shriner mini bike that I want to want to share with you here that I think um, maybe some of our listeners have never heard of. And this is kind of the last thing. If you're done with everything, Ben, I'd just like to add this one last thing. Lay it on me. All right. So have you ever heard of a vehicle called the Scat Kitty Mini Bike? I have not. Now, the Scat Kitty is spelled S-K-A-T, and it's, it's Scat Kitty. Okay. And it's a type of mini bike that was built in uh, in the mid, I think it was around the, right around 1960s. It's a very small, very, very small mini bike designed to fit inti- inside of a suitcase, Ben. It has oh. folding handlebars and an aluminum frame, so it's supposedly lightweight. I think it weighs about 65 pounds total. That's uh-huh. it. So not bad. Very, very small. When you see this, you will say, oh, yeah, I can totally see a Shriner in his jacket and his fez, you know, riding down the street or, you know, even doing a little precision driving on this tiny, tiny little yeah. mini bike. Now, um, you'll find these occasionally at uh, state auctions, things like that. You know, just rarely will you find them because... Uh, they're, they're pretty valuable at this point. So, again, it's called a Scat Kitty, designed to fold into a suitcase. Um, the idea, I think, was that you could put it in the trunk of your car or an airplane or a boat. Oh, that's if you had cool. One. It's kind of like a get-around vehicle if you needed it in the car or if you, you know, were... You know, took your boat somewhere and you wanted to, you know, run into town or something. I love that. Um, so it's a really kind of a cool thing. And the thing is, they must have been pretty strong because they're rated for a 200-pound rider and could get up to 25 miles per hour. And when you see this thing, they're tiny. Oh. Again, they're tiny, tiny mini bikes. So uh, it's pretty impressive. So look up Scat Kitty and, uh, and tell us what you think about that. And uh, just to prove that we're listening to what you think, we've got one piece of listener mail before we go out of here. Okay, Scott, uh, our friend Peter B. writes to us uh, from out there in Texas. And Peter says, hey, guys, recent listener, I'm trying to go back and listen to the old ones, but there are so many. Peter, we know what you mean. <laughs> However, it does make my flight seem shorter. I'm not sure if you've done a podcast on the following topics, but if you haven't, here you go. Hmm. You ready, Scott? I'm ready. Number one. Affordable Roadsters. Peter says, soon I shall have one. Probably a BMW Z4, but I'd be interested to hear what you guys and other listeners think. 
Hmm, we just did an affordable used cars. Right. But not specifically affordable roadsters. Which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Because I like that title. It makes me feel that I, too, could afford a roadster. Uh, number two, electric cars. Uh, we've we've covered a lot of electric car stuff. I believe so. But you know what? There's always room for an update because uh, there's always new technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, preventative maintenance to extend vehicle life. He said, growing up in the Midwest, we have hot summers and cold winters, which that's familiar to you, right, Scott? You know what? I, I would say we've definitely got that one covered. Yeah. Uh, difference between synthetic and regular oil. Mm, yes, we have. We've done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, uh, we've talked about the myth of uh, you know doing the switchover between uh, organic and synthetic. And, yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of stuff about oil in the past. So, uh, you know, we've got... Uh, yeah, most of that covered, but there's always not room. that roadster yeah. episode. Not though. bad, not a bad idea. And of course, electric car technology. I mean, it seems like daily there's a new story coming out about uh, you know what Tesla is doing or oh, what yeah. uh, competing car companies are doing sure. with Tesla's information that they you know recently surrendered. Right so, now that uh, he gave up all the patents, Peter. L- let me just. I, I want to tell you something weird about electric cars. So every time that Scott and I go in to do an electric car episode. It doesn't matter what it's on, battery life, infrastructure, a specific company. Uh, that usually has to be updated by the time we leave the studio because that's moving so quickly. So I would vote for roadsters and uh, electric cars, definitely. Uh, if you want, thank you for writing to us, Peter. And if you want to uh, check out some of the stuff we've done on preventative maintenance and uh, synthetic and regular oil then I would say visit our website, carstuffshow.com, because that has all of our podcasts. And, uh, Scott, I think we may have passed 600 now. Oh, I don't know. We are right on the cusp of that. I'm not sure if we passed it or if we're right at it. Okay. And uh, iTunes will, for storage purposes, only let you access the first 300 or so. So after that, you'll need to visit our website where you can find all of our podcasts for free. Uh, you can also find us on the Internet at Facebook and Twitter where we are Car Stuff HSW. And we'd love to hear from you guys with some new topic suggestions. We hope that you enjoyed this episode we just did. And again, uh, coming from the outside in, right, uh, we hope that we didn't incredibly mess up something about uh, Shriner organizations. But uh, we do hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'd love to hear what you think. Our email address is carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. 
Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.